You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. It's been a powerful morning, hasn't it? Man, I just, we're talking about the baptism. That's my favorite weekend that we get to do and just the power in the stories. It's incredible. I don't know if you caught all of that, but how good God is. Man, it's just been incredible. I didn't get to be here last week with y'all. Heather and I were, were off last weekend, but last Saturday night, we just attended church. And if you're looking for a little bit more room, Saturday night is where it's happening, y'all. I mean, that's why I was off last weekend, but I went to Saturday night, because there's some crazy people on Saturday night, and I fit right in. And uh, we, had some, we had some family in town, and we got to bring them, and, and they got to experience the creek. And then Monday, uh, Heather and I, and then our elder Dave Munson and his wife Suzette, we flew out to Leon, Mexico, to do an exploratory trip for some missions opportunities. And uh, it was a full week. It was really an incredible week. And, uh, you know, a lot happened. And, and uh, I uh, brought back a souvenir from Mexico, x-rays. Um, and so this, there is a story behind that. You ever had those mornings where you wake up and you feel like you've been hit by a truck? Well, that happened. And so uh, uh, Heather and I and Suzette were driving down the road in the car. And uh, uh, there was, uh, it, you know, traffic there um, is much less organized than here. And uh, so... Yeah, you just got a real good image in your mind, didn't you? And uh, so we had to slam on the brakes to avoid a motor scooter in front of us, and a dump truck didn't slam on his brakes and plowed in the back of us, but we're all right, a little stiff, a little sore stuff. I look like I'm moving like this. I am. Um, But um, went and got x-rays. We're all good. So if we do missions trips down there, the hospital system is really great. And uh, so they took us to a hospital and uh, got our x-rays and our doctor spoke English, so we didn't have a language barrier. And, and uh, so I have verifiable proof that I have a brain, that I have a spine, and they are all intact. You know, Heather will argue with that sometimes, but I have visual proof now, and I think I might hang it on our missions wall, just so you all can know too. Uh, there seems to be a pattern though, because after the accident, I told Heather, I was like, we got to break this pattern because the first time we went to Africa to do an exploratory trip, and, and we've got a team going this month. This will be our fifth year sending teams to Africa. This is the first time in five years Heather and I haven't been able to go because we're expecting the birth of our grandson around the same time. And um, Oh, did I let that cat out of the bag? I think I've already said that, haven't I? And, uh, but, uh, you know, guys, we just, okay, it's just information. Um, but uh, so we're going to be traveling to Canada to see our new grandson, but the first time we went to Africa, they asked me to preach at a church, and so I'm already grumpy because I had to wear a suit. So if those of you who know me, if I got to wear a suit, it ain't a good day, okay? And if you see me in a suit here, somebody's getting married or buried. So that's just, just so you know. If I walk in in a suit, somebody's life is changing. So uh, <laughs> I caught myself on that. So I climb out of the van, and all of a sudden, this great force hits me in the back, and I almost fall over, and I don't know what happened. I turn around, and I'd gotten run over by a moto taxi. And uh, so he's, so yeah, I'm walking in the church. I was so angry at the devil, I didn't even wipe the dirt. I had a tire prints up my back. I was like, Heather's like, clean that off. I was like, I'm not cleaning that off. That's a sign of the devil, man. I'm ticked off. And I went in there, I laid the gospel down, y'all. And so to me, I pray, 
I pray for God to give me a sign. He gave me a motorcycle in Africa and a dump truck in Mexico. So I think we got, <laughs> think we got some gospel work to do down there. So it was an incredible time. You know what? I love making the enemy mad. I do, I do. I, you know, I've, I got that antagonistic nature, and I just like, I just like making them mad. You know, you, you come up with the dump truck, I come with you with the Spirit of the Lord. Man, what you got, you know? And so, you know, I mean, there's no way. If God wanted me there, ain't nothing going to stop it. And so that's the beauty about the gospel, right? That's the beauty about the mission. That's the beauty about Christ. Nothing can stop him. And, and when he calls us into that, nothing can stop us when we're pursuing his calling and walking in his power. And I love that. And, and we're going to see some of that today in Galatians. So if you've got your Bible, go to Galatians chapter 1. Alec did a great job setting this up last week. And uh, I, I, I really wish I could have taught last week because that's just, man, the way Paul came out. Those of you who don't know Paul, if you're new to Scripture, look, the Bible's broken down in Old Testament, New Testament. And we're going to be in the New Testament today. In the beginning of the New Testament are four books. There are four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those tell us who Jesus is, teach us the Gospel, and that he died for us. He loved us so much. He was uh, crucified on a cross. His blood paid for my sin, your sin, our sin, and he was resurrected on the third day. That's the Gospel. And then the rest of that New Testament is how do we live our life in light of that change when we submit to Jesus as Lord and Savior? And so Paul comes out, this, he's a guy that, he, he was anti-Christian. I mean, he was arresting and murdering. He oversaw the murder of Stephen, and now he's been radically changed, and he writes most of the New Testament under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so he starts writing, and he comes out of the gate strong with this letter. The, the, we're in the, it's called the Book of Galatians, but it's originally a letter written to churches in the region of Galatia, and Paul would have to help deal with some church baggage sometimes because what had happened is they had they'd said, it, yeah, it's Jesus, and you, yes, it's, it's belief in Jesus, and it's this gospel, but there's something else you got to do. And in this context, they were saying, you can accept Jesus and be saved, but you also have to be circumcised, to which every guy scoots back in their seat and says, I don't know about that. But, but when we do that in our context, I mean, we start thinking, okay, it can't be that easy. It is. But we start thinking, well, I got to accept Jesus. And yesterday at our men's breakfast, our speaker, his name's David, did a wonderful job. And he said, this is the trap I got caught in. And I think a lot of us find ourselves on that hamster wheel of insanity with Jesus. As he said, I, I, I believe Jesus is my savior. And I confessed him as Lord. And I know he forgave me. And I knew I had eternal life. He said, but then I got caught up in the cycle. of I just got to try harder to be a better person. That's exactly what, what Paul's dealing with. You're adding something to the gospel. What you're saying is it's Jesus plus your ability. It's Jesus plus your externals. And he said, look, if, if anybody tells you that that's the way to be saved, they need to be cursed. And he comes out of the gate strong with this because the gospel plus anything, Jesus plus anything is not the gospel. It is his power and his power alone. And so then he goes into this next section, and I just got to be honest with you, y'all. We teach through books of the Bible because I, it keeps us accountable to context. And if there's difficult passages that, that you know, kind of rub people the wrong way, we're going to preach them. You know, if, if, if you're looking for a church where it's going to be fluffy every week, I, I, man, I love you, but this probably isn't the place for you because I'm accountable to teach all of Scripture. And, and sometimes that means the difficult things, and, and sometimes it means, man... It's hard. Like this, this passage, 
I was praying through it, and I was like, God, why don't we just skip this one and get into some of the other stuff that's happening? Because it just feels like, it feels like just a transition piece, you know? But, but man, the Holy Spirit said, no, you're preaching my word, and you're going to preach this passage. I said, well, show me. Show me what we're, we're going to teach in this, because what are you doing here? And so what, what, what God showed me through this is that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this letter to the churches in Galatia. What the Holy Spirit is doing and showing me specifically in this passage is the Holy Spirit is, is a, he's establishing the authority of Paul to be an apostle. He's, esta- he's given Paul a voice to speak into the lives of the people in the church. And so when God opened that up, I was like, okay, so now we got something. We got, we got somewhere we got to go. And so he starts in, he says, after he opens up strong with the gospel, he says, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God and violently I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So he starts out with, you, you know who I was. Paul's reputation preceded him in these churches because Paul wasn't what he was known as Saul. And, and Saul hated Christianity. He hated this gospel message. He was very religious. Paul was, was Jewish, he was a Roman citizen, and he said this of himself, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees, which meant he had all the religion, but he missed the relationship. You, Jesus and religion don't mix well, because religion says, do this and you'll get God's favor. Jesus says, come to me. Your relationship in me is how the favor of God is bestowed upon you. Religion says, do these things and God will be pleased with you. And Jesus says, no, no, no. Look at what my father spoke over me at my baptism. The father spoke over his son after his baptizes. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God's pleasure in Jesus was before the cross. God's pleasure in you is because of your life in Christ, not because of what filthy rags of righteousness we can lay before him and say, look what I did for you. And so Paul had the religion, but he missed the relationship. And he was so about protecting his religion. He was rising as a star in this, in this system. And he wanted, to, he wanted to wipe it out. Paul had overseen the murder of Stephen. Stephen was one <clears throat> that was feeding widows and sharing the gospel. And Paul's holding the coats of those who were stoning him. And Paul says, you know my former life, but this gospel that I'm preaching to you, this good news that Jesus Christ is fully God, he gave his life on a cross, he was laid in a tomb and he was resurrected on the third day, this gospel I'm sharing you, I did not receive it from any man. Nobody came to me and said, you know, Paul, you got religion, but you need Jesus. You you got law, but you need grace. You need a heart transplant. You You need God to do a miraculous work supernaturally in your heart to change your identity so you can be found in Christ. Don't don't find your righteousness from your ability to follow some rules that you can't even follow, but your righteousness has to come through Christ. No man came to me and said that. It was received by Jesus. And Paul, his conversion, if you want to read it, it's in Acts chapter 9. But I want to point out, 
Acts 26, because after Paul gets radically changed by Jesus, he starts preaching this gospel. He's like, look, I had religion, but I didn't have Jesus. And he starts preaching and gets him in trouble, finds himself in prison. He's now brought before a king, King Agrippa in Acts chapter 26, and he shares his story. He says this, in this connection, I journeyed to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priests, so the religious leaders, I had their, their authority. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven brighter than the sun that shone around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's hard for you to kick against the goats. Means you can, you can fight me, but you ain't winning. And I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you as a servant and witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you, delivering you from your people and from the Gentiles, to whom I am sending you to, to open their eyes so that they may turn from their darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. It's a crazy thing happening, y'all, because see, transformation does this. God changes our heart. Paul said, you knew my life, now, I'm, now you're hearing me talk. When, when we have an encounter with Jesus, it's gonna change things, and that change becomes visible, and then that change gets communicated, because people are gonna ask questions about that change in your life. And he says, look, Jesus gave me this, there's a revelation. It's got to be an encounter with Jesus, y'all. It's not an encounter with church. We don't celebrate stories of people getting this tank. And did you hear some of the stories? We don't celebrate stories like that because of how good the church is. It's the power of God. It's the revelation of who Jesus is that leads us to transformation, and so Paul says, this, this, is, this is my life. He goes on to say, in, in verse 15, he says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. So Paul's a Jew, he's a Pharisee, he's Roman, but he says, Jesus said, I saved you for this purpose. See, salvation isn't just an event. It's not just, well, just, just say this prayer it invites us to a life of change. And he says, this is the purpose because you've got a message now. I've given you clarity of who I am, Paul, Jesus says, and now you're gonna go to the Gentiles and this, this message is gonna go out. The world is going to be changed and I'm choosing you, Paul, to do this. He says, I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went away into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. So Paul said, I didn't go talk to the other apostles. Now, if you, what are apostles? So when you read through the, the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus called 12 men to follow them, him, and he, was called, he called them disciples. And then he called them apostles, which means I've given you the ability to go take this. You've experienced. There's things you've seen me do. There's things that you've engaged with, and now you're going to go and do these. And after, after Jesus' crucifixion, Judas, one of the 12, killed himself because he betrayed Jesus. And so many people think, well, Paul's trying to be the 12th apostle. No, that already happened in Acts chapter 1. 
In Acts chapter one, the disciples prayed and God says, you're going to replace Judas. God wasn't saying, oh, I should have made Paul one of the 12. What he's saying is, I'm giving you the authority as an apostle. When you look at the message of the disciples, they were Jews speaking messages about the kingdom. Paul says, I'm, I'm speaking to the Gentiles about the church. And so Paul said, I didn't go consult with them because I, remember, the Holy Spirit is establishing authority for Paul to speak into the lives of people in these churches. Understand this, because the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's speaking into our life. And he says, look, I didn't, I didn't go consult with man. I didn't go do this. I went to the desert. When you look at the Old Testament, the desert is something interesting, y'all. Because when God sends something to the desert, he's sending it to die. And God doesn't want to take you to the desert any more than you want to go. And God doesn't want to stay there any longer than you want to be there. But here's the thing. God takes us there because there's something to be dealt with. What did God have to deal with Paul in? Because he had all the knowledge. I mean, Paul memorized all of the Old Testament. Not just memorized it, but he could speak and he could argue it. Well, how does that react with, how does Leviticus 3 react with Deuteronomy 5? And when you bring all this into the Mosaic, well, I mean, he could just, boom, right there. He was a scholar. He, was, he, was an, he could argue the word. He could, he could masterfully discuss the word. He had this knowledge. But you know what Paul said that had to die? My pride. Because I found my righteousness in the law. Paul had this, but he had to have a transformation here. He had to experience grace. He had to let the power of the Holy Spirit transform his heart. And Paul said, ultimately, I had to die. We're going to see it later in Galatians where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. I died with him. And he says, I didn't, I didn't get this from man. I didn't, I didn't get this from man. Then after three years, that's a long time in the desert, isn't it? Some of y'all been in it for three weeks and you feel like, I can't survive this. You know what? Let me just say this. Trust God. If you feel like you're in a desert, I mean, some of you are like, I don't know. What, what do you mean by the desert? If you're in a place where your life is just dry and you don't feel like anything is happening and anything's growing and you just feel like you're just, man, you're just running in circles. Let me just encourage you in that season. I don't know how long that season is going to be. But let me tell you what you can do in that season. You can humble yourself before God and say, God, I'm here and you're here with me and I know you don't want to leave me here, so what do we need to do? And let him lead you back out of that. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. That's Peter. And remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And then in parentheses, he says, in what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. What he says, I'm telling you the truth, y'all. I didn't go to any of the other apostles. Why? I think this is important because he says, I didn't go borrow their message. Look, th th you need to hear this. L lock in on this. He didn't go to say, what's God speaking to you? Oh, I'm going to take that. He didn't borrow revelation. This is important for us to understand because we can't live our life trying to follow Jesus in somebody else's inspiration and somebody else's revelation. You've got to be, Paul says, I got the revelation from Jesus. Look, you have got to be pressing into the heart of God. You have to do that. If you come here every weekend and expect me to do it for you and go, man, you just gave me revelation, that's going to leave you weak and anemic and eventually the enemy's going to attack you. He's going to hit you like a dump truck and you're going to go, what happened to my faith? How did I get here? How did my family get to this place? But you've got to do the work. You've got to hear. And God is speaking to you. 
God has something he's saying to you. Don't borrow other people's revelation. Get in there and do the work and get it yourself because that's where it takes root. That's why Paul's saying, look, I didn't go, I saw, I saw Peter for two weeks and I saw James, but I didn't borrow their message. I received it already from Jesus. It was confirmation, not revelation. Then I went to the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said this, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy, and they glorified God because of me. They hadn't met him in person, but they're hearing the story. See, that's the thing. That's, how, that's what about transformation, right? We get changed. That change becomes visible, and people hear about that change. Is the change in your life causing other people to glorify God? Of going, man, there's no other way but an encounter with Jesus because this dude was coming after us and now he's preaching this message? That only happens through an encounter with Jesus. What, what, what's happening in this authority of Paul's voice is this. It's a word we say in church, it's called discipleship. It, it simply means this. So a disciple is someone who follows. In the context of the Bible, someone who follows Jesus. And then as people who are called to follow Jesus, we're called to invite other people to follow Jesus. So we're disciples making disciples. We have a command that Jesus gave us, go into all the world and make disciples. So we are a follower of Jesus to go invite other people to follow Jesus. How does that happen? We get transformed by the power of Jesus. That change becomes visible. That message gets shared. We make this so complicated in church. And I want to break it down to some just very elementary, practical things, the elements of discipleship that, that God just really showed me in this passage and said, you can't pass this over. Because the thing that, that is glaring in this about our, our relationship with, with God, our ability to follow Jesus and invite others is the first thing, the first element, it's got to be supernatural. Paul said, I didn't receive this from man. I didn't, nobody else came in. I received this revelation from Jesus. Now listen to me. Every one of you who have placed your faith and your trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've received a revelation from God about who Jesus is. Well, no, 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 Matt, no, no, my, my wife shared the gospel with me. All those in the tank, somebody shared this message with me. Yes, they spoke words, but the power of the Holy Spirit lit it up in your heart. That's the supernatural element of the gospel. That's a supernatural nature and character of God. We gather in a place like this because of the supernatural power of God. The presence of God is all over this service. I mean, the, the anointing of the Holy Spirit in worship and baptism and celebrating and his word and the presence of God is here and it's supernatural. Some of you are hearing me talk, but the Holy Spirit is ministering directly into your situation. And people come to me like, you spoke right to me. No, I spoke to everybody and the Holy Spirit spoke to you. That's the supernatural power of God. That's the beauty of revelation. And if we take the supernatural out of following Christ, we've neutered the gospel. If that's the case, we're just a people group of people joined up in a room and we're no better than any other club on the face of this planet. But we have the supernatural power of God at work inside of us. This supernatural power of God that stepped into nothing and spoke everything, that took his hands and formed dust in the ground and breathed into and supernaturally creates man, who takes rib from Adam and creates woman supernaturally. 
the supernatural miracle that we celebrate with this water. There's nothing sacred about this water. But we celebrate the supernatural miracle that's already happened by, by being evidence as symbolism of this water. So when you place your faith in Christ, there's a supernatural miracle. You've gone from death to life. You've gone from brokenness to healing. You've gone from, from, from filthy unrighteousness to the righteousness of God. You've gone from an orphan and an enemy of God to a son and a daughter. It's the supernatural power of God. That's what motivates this whole thing. I didn't receive this from any man. It was the Holy Spirit who lit it up in my life that I understood exactly who Jesus is and what he did for me. Did I understand it all? No. But God says, you're never gonna understand me, but I'm inviting you to experience me. And we experience that through the supernatural power of God. And so we, we have this, you know, we kind of think of the supernatural like, oh, it's just up here. Well, it's got to get down here because it's, it's supernatural that, that is also practical. So I experience this transformation and it's going to change how I live life. See, here's the thing. If there's been no internal transformation, then when we try to act like a follower of Jesus, we're, we're setting this list of externals. And we gauge how well we're following Jesus by how well we're meeting this list of externals. But when Jesus gets a hold of your heart, y'all, let me tell you something, it changes everything. I've seen people change it radically. Some of y'all fight addiction. You're like, I just want healing from this. God's leading you in a process. You may walk through the desert for that healing or he may magically do it, but you gotta keep pressing in the heart of God because the changes happen inside. Let it start inside and begin to work out. Stop trying to work it from the outside in. Let the Holy Spirit work from the inside out because it's gonna come out. And when it comes out, people are gonna see it. And when people see it, they're gonna wanna know about it. And so when I think about this, the supernatural becoming practical, then, then it just really just kind of breaks down in this. I, I've, I've taught you this before. It's the head, the heart, and the hand. That Paul had the head, right? He knew it. He knew the law. He knew the prophets. He knew the, the prophecies that said, you know, there's going to be one that's coming. He's the Messiah, and on him the government will be on his shoulders. He knew these prophecies. He had it here. He could discuss them. He could argue it, but he had nothing here. And in our context, when, when I ask people, so how are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Here's the number one response. I'm trying to learn more. I'm trying to learn more. We think in America, in the North American context, in the Western context, it's all about knowledge. It's all about knowledge. I got to know more. I got to memorize more. I got to be able to quote more scripture. And so we get in the, we, and I'm not knocking Bible studies. We need Bible studies. So we get in Bible studies. I got to know more. I got to learn more. I got to learn more. But here's the problem. It, we, we've got to connect somewhere else. It's the heart. If the head is the knowledge, the heart is the experience. What Paul would pray for people is this. He would pray for churches and he would pray for you. He would say, I want you to know Christ and I want you to know the power of his resurrection. That means you experience something in the nature of God. And, and see, this is, this is interesting because a lot of people are head first people and some are heart first people. I'm a heart first person, y'all. I looked at Heather the first time I fell in love, and then I spent four months figuring out what I'd done. <laughs> Heather's a head first person. She's going to work the list and go, do I want to submit my heart to this? You see the difference? I mean, I, I still wrestle with that. If you're an impulse buyer, you might be a head first person <laughs> because you see that I got to have that. Now I got to explain to Heather why I bought it. 
So I spend the drive home going, creating a list of all the positives. Here's why I bought it. <laughs> but it's, for me as a heart first person, I have to work to study. It's hard. But I do it because God's called me to teach to you. I can't just get up here and go, here's what I'm feeling, y'all. My head has to... See, my head and my heart are in alignment. Well, after the accident, they're probably not, but I'll get that, I'll get that fixed tomorrow. But, but my head and my heart are close to alignment, which means if I'm led by my heart, my head's got to catch up. If I'm led by my head, my heart's got to catch up. So we've got to know God and experience God, and then it's got to translate to the hand. We, we serve. We extend this grace and, and as your pastor, as your shepherd, I take this very seriously because that's why we do environments. That's why we had a, a group of people serving downtown yesterday for the homeless at When We Love. That's why we had a group of people Thursday night at Agape. That's why we do services differently sometimes in the year and call it Serve Sunday and, and release about 500 people into our community to serve because we've got to have a balanced approach to following Jesus. It's not just about sitting in a room and knowing more. It's just my thing. I'd sit in my office or I'd get in, I'd love to have worship for two hours. Hours, man. Some are like, uh-uh. I'm all about the worship side of it, the music. I want to experience, I want to feel it. I want to, I mean, I want the, but we got to get out and we got to do it. We got to become practical. And when that happens, when, when, we, when we understand the supernatural at work in us and we're practically walking it out in balance, then here's what something that happens in discipleship. It's the, the viral nature of the gospel. It becomes exponential. Because more, Jesus said to his disciples, the things you've seen me do, you will do in greater measure. Not because we have a power greater than Jesus, but because a supernatural power at work is in more of us. I mean, listen to what Paul said. So Paul was a guy who took on another guy named Timothy. And he was discipling or mentoring Timothy. And this is what he said to him. He says, you then my child. <laughs> I love that. Because a discipleship or like it's a mentoring relationship. No, 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 no. It's raising sons and daughters. God's given us context and environments to say, I want stronger sons and I want stronger daughters. And he calls us as the church to raise them up. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others. Timothy, my son, I've taken you on as a spiritual father and what you've seen in me, you're learning and now you share that and then they share that and then they share that and then they share that and generation shares to a generation and a generation shares to a generation and it's the viral nature of God and it cannot be stopped. That's what I love about this movement of what the gospel really is. No dump truck can stop it. No moto taxi can stop it. No power in hell can stop it. No demon can stop it. No, no past of yours can stop it. Because Paul says, you knew my past. You knew my past. And that ain't stopping it. And so my challenge to you is this. Are you at first in that relationship? Have you, has the supernatural power of God changed your life? And if so, what kind of relationship are you allowing? Are you submitting to someone to speak into you? And are you courageous enough to speak into somebody else?
Well, I don't know enough to do that. No, you don't. That's why you invite them into this process of learning together. Y'all parents in the room, you got kids. Do you know everything about being a parent? Exactly. That's what it looks like in the church. It's messy, but it's beautiful. So this gospel, the supernatural power of God, Romans 1 says the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to all who believe, to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Paul's message, his purpose is to the Gentile, is us, that's us, and our lives can be transformed and we go and share this message. May we be found faithful with this supernatural, practical power of God so that lives are changed. Father, we love you. We thank you for your gospel. We thank you for your truth. We thank you that, that it is the power, your power unto salvation. I just pray right now for those in this room, those watching online, that God, that if they've never experienced that supernatural change in their life, that right now in this moment, they just say, Jesus, I don't understand it all, but I want to experience you. I want my life to be found in you. I don't understand how you paid for all of my sin, but I want you to pay for mine. I accept that free gift. I'm tired of living in the externals and I need you to do an internal work in my life. Change me now. Father, for those in this room that we've made that decision, help us to remember this. It's not just an event, it's a call to a life. So may we walk that life with humility Humility to let other people speak into us. And may we walk that life with courage, courage to speak your truth into others so that ultimately we see what the churches in the region of Galatia saw and all across this region is they glorified you because of the work in the church. So may people's lives bring you ultimate glory and honor and praise for you alone are worthy. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at